Hello, dummies. Matt from Don't Unfriend Me. Wednesday, March 17th, 7.37 p.m. It is indeed St. Patrick's Day. I'm wearing my green. It is green. It's like OD green. But it's still green. And uh, we're going to talk about St. Patrick's Day. Go go figure, right? We're going to take a little bit of a of a sabbatical away from politics and just talk a little bit about St. Patrick's. Some of the cool things about it, some of the craziness that is the holiday, some of the misnomers, again, we did that last night, things that people believe but aren't necessarily true, a little bit of history, and dive into St. Patty's Day. And this is great because I didn't know a lot about St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I didn't spend a lot of time paying attention in Sunday school. But uh, some interesting facts, so that'll be fun. We're going to talk a little bit about a dum-dum that had something to say last night, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about what he had to say. I think it's important. I think uh, we're growing, and the more that we do that, the more people come out of the woodwork and have some things to say. So let's get right to it, and let's talk about the St. Patrick's Day joke. Now, this is a religious holiday. It's supposed to be, but really, like all Americans, we make it a drinking holiday. Any reason to get for schnickered? Well, this is one of them. So we're going to talk about it, and uh, we're going to make a joke. And this joke is going to be not PG-13. It's going to be 18 and above. There's no cussing, but it is a sensitive topic. I hope you can enjoy it. Patrick wants a bike for his birthday. Little Patrick asked for a 10-speed bicycle. His father said, son, we would give you one, but the mortgage on this house is $80,000, and your mother just lost her job. There's no way we can afford it. The next day, the father saw little Patrick heading out the front door with a suitcase. So he asked him, son, where are you going? Little Patrick told him, I was walking past your room last night, and I heard you telling mommy you were pulling out. Then I heard her tell you to wait because she was coming too. And I'll be damned if I'm staying here by myself with an $80,000 mortgage and no bike. from an undisclosed location always honest always direct so sit back relax don't unfriend me starts right now Welcome to Don't Unfriend Me, folks. Who am I? Well, my name is Matthew Spear. I am your host of Don't Unfriend Me, and I created this show about six months ago because I wanted to express some things that were on my mind. I felt that I had some things to say about COVID, so I did. I went on Facebook, and I vented for about 25 minutes, and it got a lot of likes, and people said, you should do a show. And then one of our good, dear friends defriended us because we voted for Donald Trump, And Don't Unfriend Me was born. And really, Don't Unfriend Me means that I have an affinity for keeping people. If you want to unfriend me, please do. In fact, Mr. Brian Pasquale, I think is how you say his name, decided to defriend me last night. And he has no idea who I am. Doesn't know anything about me. He may have watched one show, but overall, I don't know him. He doesn't know me, but he wanted to leave some comments. And I'm going to pick them apart a little bit before we get into St. Patrick's Day, because this is what this show is about. I always encourage people to come on the show and say something. If you're going to leave a message and not come back and redress, well, then I'm just going to talk about it anyway. And I would prefer to do it on the show versus typing. 
and it's my nickel, so let's do it. Brian says, and this was in reference to the show in regards to Tucker Carlson and Bill Maher. And what's interesting is I've rewatched it because I had a lot of comments. Some were extremely positive. Most were positive. And a couple of people came on and literally lambasted the, the show and said that I was going against Tucker and I, I'm, I'm, I'm the devil for rooting for Bill Maher. Folks, I, I was extremely hard on Bill and I was extremely hard on Tucker, but I was also very positive about both of them too. And this whole statement, I'm going to break down for you. And I think it's important because Brian did not come back and respond to my comment. He gave it a like, but he stayed away. Let's see if he watches tonight. And that would be great. He says, I'm not impressed by fence sitters. Sorry. Either am I. It's extremely uncomfortable. It's bad on the twig and berries. Pick a side, he says. Which side exactly is he referring to? Is he referring to the side of left and right? No, I most assuredly won't. Because I think that's what's wrong with America. Is I think we have to align with one party and assume that everything they do is correct. And I think that's where we go wrong is there are policies that Democrats have created that I actually think are useful. And there are policies Republicans have created that I think are useful, and they've both wantonly spent too much money. They have both done horrible things to each other. And if we're going to sit here and pretend that Republicans are white as virgin, clean, undriven snow, you're insane. And if you think the Democrats are that way, you're also insane. So no, I won't choose a side. But if you ask me on the class phylum order species, on the hierarchy, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I'm going to choose the top of who I am. And I'm an American. And I have chosen that side. The question is, have you? Have you decided that America is more important than your political ideology? That the republic for which we stand is more important than this democracy and abortion of government that we have that the founding fathers never wanted to begin with. Political parties were shunned by the founding fathers. In fact, they had no time for them. And it's interesting that you are just diving into what you know is the problem because you make it sound like if I just choose a side that all will be better, Brian and that the world will heal, and that Americans will get along together again, and we won't be on the precipice of some type of war, whether it be civil or whether it be an economic turn or an ideological turn or a systematic annihilation of a people who don't believe in what you believe in. And we're dangerously close to just that. So when you say to me, pick a side, the answer is no, I most certainly will not. And if I ever did pick a side, it would certainly be the side that was righteous, and neither are. So I agree with you. Fence sitters are tiresome. I'm not one of them. I'm very clear on my convictions. It just happens to be I have thoughts on both sides because no party has mutual exclusivity to what is good. I'm tired of fence sitters trying to say we all got to compromise. If that were even an option, we would have been there by now. Well, I disagree with you. We've done it in the 80s. Tip O'Neill was fantastic. Newt Gingrich, Ronald Reagan. We reached across the aisle. Bill Clinton was successful at reaching across the aisle. We had about 10 or 15 years of the most cohesive government we've had in our history where we worked together. But something changed. 
And what changed is, is that we started informing people through the internet that everyone can have an opinion on any subject that they want, including myself. So I guess I'm guilty too. We started dumbifying American people by doing sound bites and not giving them the whole story. We cared more about how long they stayed on versus how well they were educated. And we became divisive. And we divided the country in halves. And the haves and have-nots are in both parties. But what the parties have more than anything is ignorance. People who don't understand the Constitution. People don't understand the rights. People don't understand history and the things that we've went through that have precluded where we are right now. And it's created by this mentality of choose a side. Pick one. Really? Well, let me ask you a question, sir. How about the Civil War? Which side were you on? Ask yourself that question and then go read the history of the Civil War and you tell me. Because I think there's arguments on both sides. If you make it about slavery, absolutely, it's one binary, a non-binary choice. But if you make it about politics and economy, if you make it about demographics and you make it about rural living and you make it about technology, there are reasons to agree with both sides. There is always more than one side to every single story. And I challenge you to learn that quickly. He says, but one side in particular is well beyond compromise and meeting in the middle. And if you don't actually know this, you're only making things worse. Have you watched my show? I don't think you have. Brian, I think you've missed the ever-loving point. Is that is what I say consistently. I fall on the side of Republicans more because I believe they are in the right more than the left. It's not just a direction or a policy. I believe that they are correct in a lot of their thoughts. And the left is completely leftist or completely unhinged. And as the alt-right was extremely damaging in 2014 and up to 2018, the leftists are absolutely, over the last 15 years, the most dangerous thing in America today. I'm well aware. And the comparison of what Marr said 20 years ago to what Tucker said just the other night is as illogical as comparing apples to oranges. Why is it illogical to compare apples and oranges? I never understood that saying. Sure, you can compare apples and oranges. They're both relatively round. They both have seeds. They're both considered a fruit. Some of them are actually the same color. It's actually true. Some apples look closer to an orange than an actual apple. Japanese apples are fantastic and very, very sweet. And they have a very orange, red, ruby color. Can we say it's like comparing a grapefruit and an orange? One is citrus, and that's the only thing you're going to discern, just like the Civil War, that slavery is the only topic we talk about. And therefore, that gives you the end-all, be-all in the conversation. Just because it isn't exactly the same thing as an apple doesn't mean that it doesn't have commonalities. And that's what I'm asking you to do is see the finer points. And the line of delineation that I drew between Tucker and Bill wasn't what they said. It's that they were shunned by the media 20 years ago. And Bill started the cancel culture. He was canceled first before anyone else. The parallel was that. I'm sorry you missed it. First off, Tucker has an actual point and is forewarning us all of the consequences of the wokeism being mainline injected into the armed forces, as it most certainly has. When did you serve? What years? What branch? Did you read that somewhere? Most assuredly, I said that the military 
has absolutely created this culture of a more softer feminine military. And I talked about the carding of the pussification of the military. I used a stronger word than you did. It doesn't escape me. But I don't need Tucker Carlson or you telling me what the military is like. Thank you very much. Just like if I want to tell you what it's like to be an ostentatious prick, I'm not going to go ahead and do that. You're the master of it. He made logical arguments as was, when was attacked for it by the Pentagon because they are now being led by a commander in chief that is introducing a radical left socialist agenda to the country. Really? That's why the Pentagon attacked is because Joe Biden, I thought Joe Biden wasn't running the military. In fact, I thought Joe Biden wasn't allowed to talk to the military. Isn't that what all you cures say? Saying that Joe Biden is a leftist is, is incredibly naive. And this is the problem. Is That's not why the Pentagon attacked him. The Pentagon attacked him because it was International Women's Day and they want to look good. And they want to look sensitive. And they released hair requirements and a female flight suit simply because they wanted good press. Because Fort Hood was having their investigation that day and the results were coming out. You simpleton. Are you that naive that it wasn't a smokescreen to cover it up? So they got the headlines. That was something positive, International Women's Day. And then Tucker decides to go ahead and pick it apart, which I said was fantastically done. He just made one comment that allowed sound bites to go ahead and hold hostage his entire narrative. It was simply for good press. Not everything's a conspiracy theory, Brian. He has installed generals and a secretary of defense that are acting as political animals instead of soldiers first for the first time in our country's history. The secretary of defense doesn't act like a soldier, by the way. That's ridiculous. And it's not the first time in our history that America's military has been politicized. Have you ever heard of Kennedy? They tried to coup Kennedy and they probably had him killed. Haven't you ever heard of FDR? Haven't you ever heard what they wanted to do to Carter with Iran-Contra hearings with with Iran hostages and then the Iran-Contra hearings with Ronald Reagan and how the military got involved in that with gun running and then turned on the president of the United States and went belly up except for Ollie North? Sir, you need to read a book and you need to pull your head out of your proverbial ass and stop coming after me. You need to watch my show and I will help you make the connection. But you've been in my craw, so I give you credit for that. I'm dedicating way too much time to your life. Have we had military leaders with political ambitions before? Yes, absolutely. We have. Sure. But this is a whole other level and very dangerous in many ways we don't even know yet. What do you mean we don't even know yet? We saw with Julius Caesar. Yes. That's what I said. You have to have them stop getting involved in politics because that is how coups start when the military gets involved with political ideas and concepts and tries to navigate and and change the way that the government works through military force did you just watch my show and repeat everything i said it's interesting brian jeez but mar he says mar was being the douchebag lehman bag you were probably typing in furious anger that he always is and was trying to be a shock jock. He's not trying to be a shock jock. He is a shock jock. And I said, Bill Maher is a very much a douche at times. I didn't use those words. I just did. I agree. I have said that repeatedly. And he says more things that I disagree with than agree with. But it doesn't mean I don't like the guy. I like a lot of people I disagree with. Brian, I probably would like you. Well, that might be a bit of a stretch. But anyway. A talk show that practically plays a laugh track when he tells his monologue joke or when he interrupts any conservative guest. Well, that's not quite true. 
You obviously haven't watched his show. Yes, he does. Absolutely. He is a left. He's liberal. But he has been very fair with Ben Shapiro. It was a fantastic interview. Gina Carano is supposed to be coming on. That should be interesting. Bill Maher attacks for things he believes. And that's the way it works. And what's interesting is that you feel I'm your enemy. And that we fundamentally disagree. And you come on my show and you stack against me. Is that okay? Can you do that? Well, then why why can't Bill? It's a little bit hypocritical. If you and seven other people all stack on my thread and start telling me how I'm wrong, which is fine. I I completely respect that. Just expect me to retort, which I'm doing today. What's what's the difference? Yes, Bill Maher has brought people on the show. He hated Trump. He went down in the mud and got down, and he was absolutely asinine, and I hated most of what he said. But I didn't hate what he said about free speech. I didn't hate what he said about the Second Amendment. I didn't hate what he said about Democrats literally ostracizing middle America. You don't agree with those things? Well, then why can't you agree with a couple of things he says and still say that I don't align with him politically? Of course, he says things on occasion that are true. But of course, sometimes the sun even shines on a dog's a-hole now and again. I prefer broken clock is right twice a day. And once again, you've repeated everything I just said already in the show. Nevertheless, Marr was making emotional arguments and not speaking facts. Actually, everything he said was a fact. Everything. The skyscraper, the hours it took to build, the bridges, the way that the Chinese people are actually being uplifted. But here's the problem. What you don't know, because you didn't do anything other than listen to what Bill Maher said, is that Maoism, which destroyed China by focusing on a social economy, they actually embraced capitalism. Yeah, China embraced the forms of capitalism. 16 farmers stood up and went to the Chinese government and said, please let us keep extra grain. We will sell it off and we'll make a profit at the end of the year as long as we meet our quota. And they said, sure, but you could all be put to death for this if anyone finds out. This was the birth of capitalism in China. And this is where they became to prosper. And it spread on. But the Maoists who believe, these are the people in the CCP who want socialism, who destroyed China and literally had millions upon millions of people die under their reign. We're seeing the form of capitalism being taken over again and being replaced with socialism. Those are facts. I don't know how you or how you magically showed up in my feed. Well, I slept with your wife, Brian. No, I'm kidding. That's Brian. That was low. I'm sorry. Let me finish. But a suggestion for when you drop a 38-minute video video on me, get to the freaking point, bro. Listen, you just spent a 1,000 words saying nothing. You need to get to the point, too. I concur. My show is designed to spend a little bit of time. I don't get to points quickly. The reason why is because it's important. When you don't sit in a partisan nature, When you actually bring both sides in the center to an argument, see, like I defended Bill and Tucker and then brought my own viewpoints, which were more center. Isn't that the point of this show? At least that's the point that I try to create. So, Brian, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you never coming back because you're the problem. As much as you think that everyone else is the problem, if you truly believe that the Republican Party for which it stands, is right about everything it believes, then not only are you naive, I think you're, you're incapable of understanding anything I say. 
I wish you well. You have a lovely family. You look like you're happy. You live in Oregon, which that's difficult because that's the second communist country in our, in our United States. What a beautiful land it used to be, but now is completely changing. It's got to be hell being a Republican if that's what you claim you are in Oregon. But good luck to you, sir. I hope you watch again. I hope you open up your mind. And if you would like to go ahead and challenge what I say, please don't write a diatribe of 1,500 words. Come on my show. Talk to me. Let's have a debate. Let's go ahead and wax intellect via ones and zeros. I would love to have you. St. Patrick. Oh, by the way, we didn't even do the intro to the show because I was so fired up just to talk about that young man. Brian, thank you for distracting me. You can also join on the little red envelope right here, which allows you to go ahead and follow, like, share, and subscribe on YouTube or any of my social media sites and stop by. Don't unfriend me.com. Anytime you would like, you can find all the podcasts, the videos and everything else. Brian, you can go there too and go ahead and find another video that you don't like. Repeat everything I said, claim it and pawn it off as your own and then tell me to get to the point. Let's get started. St. Patrick, the patron saint of Ireland, is one of Christianity's most widely known figures. But for all the prevalence and culture, namely the holiday held on the day of his death that bears his name, his life remains somewhat of a mystery. Many of the stories traditionally associated with St. Patrick, including the famous account of his banishing all the snakes from Ireland, are indeed false. Now, I understand some people might absolutely believe this, and that's fine. I am going to go off history here. I understand what people have said, but there's a lot of great facts here, and this isn't a religious challenge. And if you want to challenge, write it down below, and I'll try to answer you. Hopefully not like Brian. The products of hundreds of years of exaggerated storytelling have increased the mythology around St. Patrick. In fact, St. Patrick was not Irish. St. Patrick was born in Britain, not Ireland. He was born to wealthy parents near the end of the 4th century. No, it's not Colin Kaepernick. He is believed to have died on March 17th around 460 AD. Although his father was a Christian deacon, it has been suggested that he probably took on the role because of tax incentives, and there is no evidence that Patrick came from particularly a religious family. At the age of 16, Patrick was taken prisoner by a group of Irish raiders who were attacking his family's estate. They transported him to Ireland, where he spent six years in captivity. There is some dispute over where this, where this captivity took place, although many believe he was taken to live in Mount Slemish in country Antrim, or in County Antrim. It is more likely that he was held in County Mayo, near Kalala. During this time, he worked as a shepherd, outdoors, away from people. Lonely and afraid, he turned to his religion for solace. Becoming a devout Christian, it is also believed that Patrick first began the dream of converting the Irish people to Christianity during his captivity. I almost spilled my drink. Did you see that? Ooh. We would have had to bleep that out. That would have been an oh, shit sugar muffins. St. Patrick's visions and miracles. After more than six years as a prisoner, I also caught that with a pencil in my hand and still was allowed and able to grip this giant cup. Folks, I wish the camera would have caught it. It was magical. I'll see if I can do some post editing and make it a lot more dramatic than it was. After more than six years as a prisoner, Patrick escaped. According to his writing, a voice which he believed to be God's spoke to him in a dream telling him it was time to leave Ireland. To do so, Patrick walked nearly 200 miles from County Mayo, where it is believed he was held to the Irish coast. After escaping to Britain, Patrick reported that he experienced a second revelation 
An angel in a dream tells him to return to Ireland as a missionary. Soon after Patrick began religious training, a course study that lasted more than 15 years, after his ordination as a priest, he was sent to Ireland with a dual mission to minister to Christians already living in Ireland and to begin to convert the Irish. Interestingly, this mission contradicts the widely held notion that Patrick introduced Christianity to Ireland. St. Patrick incorporated Irish culture into Christian lessons. Familiar with the Irish language and culture, Patrick chose to incorporate traditional ritual into his lessons of Christianity instead of attempting to eradicate native Irish beliefs. For instance, he used bonfires to celebrate Easter since the Irish were used to honoring their gods with fire. He also superimposed a sun, a powerful Irish symbol, onto the Christian cross to create what is now called a Celtic cross, so that veneration of the symbol would seem more natural to the Irish. Although there were a small number of Christians on the island when Patrick arrived, most Irish practice a nature-based pagan religion. The Irish culture centered around a rich tradition of oral legend and myth. When this is considered, it is no surprise that the story of Patrick's life became exaggerated over the centuries like most do. Spinning these exciting tales to remember history has always been a part of the way of the Irish and most civilizations. St. Patrick was never canonized as a saint. He may be known as a patron saint of Ireland, but Patrick was never canonized by the Catholic Church. This is simply due to the era he lived in. During the first millennium, there was no formal canonization process in the Catholic Church. After becoming a priest and helping to spread Christianity, though, Ireland, throughout Ireland, Patrick was likely proclaimed a saint by popular acclaim. Today, St. Patrick's Day is a transcontinental celebration of Irish culture filled with festivities, food, and tradition. Amidst the millions of people that don green to celebrate the Irish, few know the reasoning behind Saint Pop, uh, the popular St. Patrick's Day traditions. Have you ever wondered why we wear green? Tell the stories of leprechauns, display shamrocks, and pinch our friends on St. Patrick's Day? Pinch responsibly, folks. You don't need to be canceled. These modern-day Patrick's Day shenanigans, how did they come to be? Well, let's go into it. Why green? According to accounts, blue was the first color associated with St. Patrick's Day, but started to change in the 17th century, and the blue was actually associated with the color of the flags and the tartans and everything else from the Irish. Green is one of the colors in Ireland's tricolor flag, as you know, and it has been used in the flags of several Irish revolutionary groups throughout history. Ireland is the Emerald Isle. So... Named for its lush green landscape, green is also the color of spring, the Shamrock and the Chicago River, which they have to dye because it's usually dark brown. This Midwestern city has dyed green on St. Patrick's Day for the past 40-odd years. Corned beef or bacon? This St. Patrick's Day, millions of people will sit down to an authentic Irish meal of corned beef and cabbage, or so they think. In fact, only half of it is really Irish, though cabbage has historically been a staple of the Irish diet, along with potatoes. It was tra traditionally eaten with Irish bacon, not corned beef. Irish immigrants in America could not afford the bacon, so they substituted it with corned beef hash, which a lot of people did during the Great Depression as well. It was a staple amongst people, that and bologna. Pinch me, I'm Irish. Forgot to wear green on St. Paddy's Day? Don't be surprised if you get pinched. No surprise, it's an entirely American tradition. That probably started in the early 1700s. St. Patrick's revelers thought wearing green made one invisible to leprechauns, fairy creatures who would pinch anyone they could see, anyone not wearing green. 
People began pinching those who didn't wear green as a reminder that leprechauns would sneak up and pinch green abstainers. Leprechauns, pots of gold and rainbows. Just what does a mythical leprechaun look like and why are they so special? A leprechaun looks like a little old man and dresses like a shoemaker with a cocked hat and a leather apron. According to Irish folklore, leprechauns were cranky tricksters who wouldn't want who you wouldn't want to mess with. They live alone and pass the time by mending the shoes of Irish fairies. According to the legend, the fairies pay the leprechauns for their work with golden coins, which the little people collect in large pots, the famous pots of gold often associated with leprechauns. The legend says that if you catch a leprechaun, you can force him to tell you where he hid his pot of gold. I hate my lucky charms. Supposedly, this pot of gold is hidden at the end of a rainbow. Because you can never find the end of a rainbow, you can't get to the pot of gold. Wow, it almost seems like tax and spend politics. To get the gold, you first get to catch the little leprechaun. The cheerful, friendly little elf most Americans associate with the St. Paddy's Day stems from 1959, the Walt Disney film called Darby O'Gill and the Little People. The Americanized, good-natured leprechaun soon became a symbol of St. Patrick's Day and Ireland in general. Shamrocks and the four-leaf clover. According to Irish legend, St. Patrick chose a three-leaved clover or shamrock as a symbol of the church's holy trinity because of its three leaflets bound by a common stalk. A shamrock is not a four-leaf clover, contrary to personal belief and popular belief. Although clovers are most often found in nature with three leaves, rare four-leaf clovers do exist, especially next to nuclear power plants. Finding one is thought to bring someone extreme luck. The folklore for the four-leaf clovers differs from that of the shamrock due to the fact that it has no religious illusions associated with it. It is believed that each leaf of a four-leaf clover represents something different. First is hope. The second is faith. The third is love. And the fourth is happiness. The good luck attached with the four-leaf clover predates Christianity in Ireland back to the ancient Druid priests. You don't have to be Irish to have some hands-on fun on the holiday. You can exercise your green thumb this St. Patrick's Day and learn to grow your shamrocks indoors because they don't need a lot of sunlight. Kiss me, I'm Irish. The popular Kiss Me, I'm Irish was also just by Richard Dawson from The Family Feud. It's not just a saying from him. It's a reference to the Blarney Stone. The Blarney Stone is the stone of eloquence in Blarney Castle. Legend holds that kissing the stone brings good luck and gives you the ability to never be lost for words or get oral herpes. So let's make sure you wipe off the stone before kissing it. Becoming a smooth talker, so to speak, if you can't make it to Ireland to kiss the actual stone, Convention says the next best option is to kiss an Irishman. No snakes in Ireland. Another St. Patrick myth is the claim that he banished snakes from Ireland. It's true no snakes exist on the island today, but they never did. Ireland, after all, is surrounded by icy ocean waters, too much, too cold to allow snakes to migrate from Britain or anywhere else. But since snakes often represent evil in literature, when Patrick drives the snakes out of Ireland, it is symbolically saying he drove the old evil, pagan ways out of Ireland and brought in a new age. The snake myth was likely spread by well-meaning months, century after St. Patrick's death. The luck of the Irish. Want to get lucky this St. Patrick's Day? If so, follow these rules. Find a four-leaf clover. Wear green so you don't get pinched. Kiss the Blarney Stone and catch yourself a leprechaun if you can. There are many traditions associated with St. Patrick's Day, regardless of your actual heritage. We all embrace our inner Irishman on this day. 
And of course, the way we celebrate this, like I alluded to earlier, is drinking and having a good time and having fun. And we can learn things from St. Patrick. If you go ahead and look it up, I didn't necessarily want to get into the religion debate, but there are some beautiful things that you can learn from St. Patrick. His story is incredible, and it's one of immense focus and determination and hope. And his faith is what led him out of slavery and carried throughout the rest of his life. It is a beautiful story, and I would encourage you to do a Google search, look through Wikipedia, or buy some of the amazing books that are on Amazon. There are hundreds of books on this wonderful, wonderful tradition. So drink a beer, have some hot wings, watch a Notre Dame game, eat some Lucky Charms, have a wonderful, wonderful St. Patrick's Day. I wish you the best. And that is it for my show tonight. I think it's episode 121, 122. I don't know. I'll find out. But either way, all I ask is that you don't unfriend me. Folks, we have 22 veterans a day that commit suicide. It is a terrible time for veterans. They need your help. Traumatic brain injuries, stress, anxiety, depression, PTS, they're all real. And veterans need your help. Please reach out to a veteran today. Give them this number. It could save a life. If you can't make this call, reach out to me and I will help you make that call and we can do it together. And lastly, you can also visit my website anytime at don'tunfriendme.com. Click the VCL link and you'll be connected to a VCL operator free of charge to you. And if you are a civilian, you can also frequent this site. It is absolutely free of charge. Please stop by don'tunfriendme.com. I would appreciate it. Stop by, say a comment, listen to a show, watch a show, do whatever you want, but please put it in your bookmark, save it, and give me a like, share, and follow as well. I greatly appreciate it. You can do that right here. I will see you tomorrow once again. Please be careful pinching people. Drive safe. Do not drink and drive. Be smart. It's not worth your life or somebody else's. I will see you tomorrow.